Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your weekend update. Before we start, don't forget you can get this podcast without ads by going to theathletic.com slash NBA show and subscribing. Huge freaking weekend, Keith. We had a couple of game sixes on Friday. We had a couple of game sevens on Sunday. And at least a couple of teams showed up on Sunday for those game sevens. But the Phoenix Suns absolutely did not. They got crushed by the Dallas Mavericks, 123-90. to And Keith, that final score doesn't even really tell you the picture. It doesn't give you the full story of how much of an absolute ass-kicking this was for the for the Phoenix Suns. This was a stunning defeat. Just a stunning no-show on your home court. It's stunning with the historical context for those of us who like those kind of things. It's stunning with like the story of Chris Paul. It shocked me almost. Here's the thing. I, I am a rube. I got duped. I was stunned when James Harden went out and, and, and didn't even score in the second half of his final game with the Sixers. I'm like, there's no way James Harden's going to do it again. And he did. And then this Chris Paul series for a Suns team, which dominated the entire regular season. They were head and shoulders above everyone in the regular season. And then it comes to the postseason. And Chris Paul, he went 14 for 14 in a game. And we're like, this guy's just built different. He's he's, he's the best. He's the point guard. And then he goes up 2-0 on the Mavs. You're like, well, he's not going to do it again, is he? He's not going to do it again, is he? And he did it again. And they lost at home in game seven by a million. They were down at one point. This is another thing I'm never going to get over, Dave. I'm not going to get over this. With 10 minutes to go in the third quarter, Luka Doncic had 30 points and the Suns had 27 points. How do I explain that to my kids? I do not understand. I don't understand what happened to the Phoenix Suns offense in this game, except for to say that the Dallas Mavericks know how to defend them. They were actually, if I could be serious about it, they picked up on what the Pelicans did really, really well uh, against the Suns and, and what put pressure on their offense. Number one, Aiton provided no toughness at all for Phoenix, which they needed when Dallas went small. And number two, Dallas did a great job of catching Devin Booker at the nail every single time he touched the ball. He was not able to get middle, which is where he's dangerous. And, and they just shut him down the last two games. I, I thought that Dallas played the best two games that they've had in the playoffs. And this one, of course, I mean, this was just spectacular. And I want to talk about Dallas before we get to the Sun struggles, because Luka Doncic in this game, as you mentioned, was incredible. He had 35 points in 30 minutes. He had 10 rebounds, he had four assists. So low there, but the shots he was hitting, man, six of 11 from three. The step back was falling. He was plus 37 in the game. Keith, Luka Doncic 
looks like a top five player. Oh, yeah, he looks like the best player in the NBA. I mean, I think most people have agreed the best player is Giannis. And Giannis, we'll talk about him in a second, you know, had, had a tough matchup, uh, was asked to do a whole lot. This is a guy, Luka Doncic, who honestly, I feel like I've been lower on than a lot of people during the regular season. I'm like, he's good, but, the, you know, the, the top five argument, I'm like, I don't think I'm there. I'm not sure I'm there. And like... Did he play himself into shape? Is is that like a thing? Are we seeing like fit Doncic now? And I know this is just one game and it's not representative of necessarily him because the game here, as far as like, it was perfection. You know, like, like sure, it's representative that he's one of the best players in the NBA, but like this was perfection. And also he was playing with the Suns like... I might play with my child. He was toying with them. He was laughing at them. He was mocking them, it felt like. He's like, I'm going to do literally whatever I want, and uh, I'm having a great time. And he, and he kept being like, you guys look sad. Are you, having, are you not having fun? I'm having fun. He posted up anybody who was in front of him. DeAndre Ayton, didn't matter. Hit the fadeaway jumper. Chris Paul, please give me that. And you get him out on the wing, and the step back was falling, and this was kind of the key to the game for them. I actually think the key to the playoffs for them. When they're playing at their best – it's because he's got that step back falling and then they can get two feet in the paint. They can find shooters. And they did that again in this game. Jalen Brunson, 24 points, had four, uh, a couple of assists. Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench, 30 points, five of seven from three. The exact same thing that was working for Luca was finally working for Spencer Dinwiddie, who had been awful up to this point, Keith. Yeah, it seemed like the formula for the Mavericks this postseason and the regular season, it's like, are other guys going to knock down shots? Like if Dorian Finney Smith is hitting his jumpers, all right, they look really good. If anybody else, if it's Reggie Bullock's night, you know, and then when those guys miss shots, you're like, all right, the Mavs, you know, you can, you can shut down Luca and you're good. In this one, Luca, I'm going to say it again, was, was basically perfect. I mean, he hit all his two pointers. He hit all his free throws, basically not turning the ball over. These are like the weaknesses of Luca, you know, and then he, and then he makes a good number of three pointers, but, but they had other performers Individually, Spencer did when he's stepping up, having a big game. Uh, Brunson didn't do a whole lot in the first half and then lit it up in the second half just to kind of pick up the slack, I guess. I, I can't get over it. I mean, maybe it is just the defense. Maybe it is just, hey, when you hold your opponent to whatever it was, to 27 points in the first half, that's the second fewest points in the first half of a game seven in NBA history. Like, maybe that's all that matters. Like if your defense can do that, Luca didn't even have to do this with so much style. He could have had a mediocre game for him. He could have had it just, a, I don't know. I was about to throw out a mid-level NBA player, but I'll, I'll, I'll skip that. He could have just, he, disrespectful. he didn't have to score 27 in the first half uh, to have this massive lead. Yeah. Uh, the, the Mavericks shot, 19 of 39 for 48.7% from three. They were 57% overall. They hit, Every single one of their free throws, they left nothing on the table and Phoenix could get nothing going. And I want to talk about DeAndre Ayton because, yes, everyone was disappointing. You only got 11 points from Devin Booker on three of 14 shooting. You mentioned Chris Paul, 10 points, basically a no show. DeAndre Ayton had five points and four rebounds. Keith, he only played 17 minutes and I mentioned how soft he was and we talk about it a lot on Nerder that his softness has been an issue for them and it's a pressure point. But Keith... Did he get benched? What happened? That seems to be the story coming out of Phoenix. Something happened. Monty Williams was asked about it after the game, the, you know, the 17 minutes for DeAndre Ayton, and he just kind of snapped, or he said, uh, it's internal. Something happened. 
where they didn't feel like they, they could play or wanted to play or needed to play DeAndre Ayton. It's obviously, you know, your mind thinks ahead to his restricted free agency. They did not get an extension done. Their owner is not known for spending uh, high into the luxury tax or, or paying exorbitant figures to players. And All right, let's get to Monty Williams, a 64-win season in the regular season to claim home court throughout the playoffs, but done after two rounds. But I'll ask, what was the message to the guys? After I mean, the I, I just told them, you know, how bad I, I hurt for them. I know they didn't want to play that way. We, you know, we basically played the worst game of, of the season tonight. Um, and I, that group has a lot of character and integrity. And I know how bad they wanted it. We just make a shot early. And that messed with us a little bit. And Dallas played their tails off from start to finish. Um, but I talked to them about, you know, all year long, we've been hearing all the praises, winning all the, the games and setting records and all that stuff. And we've been, you know, taking it. Well, tonight you got to take it. Um, that, that's a part of manhood. You know, there are days where it doesn't go your way and you got to stand right there and, and, and show character and integrity and take it. That's life. You know, if they're already paying Devin Booker, they're already paying Mikhail Bridges, they're paying Chris Paul. Um, you know, there's questions about how does DeAndre Ayton fit. Well, with this playoff performance, with this disappointing exit for the team, and with this final performance against a, a Mavs team, like, they have Maxi Kleber, but, like, it looked like they were, they could be exploited in the paint, and it would be an opportunity for Ayton to have some big games. He did not, and then to play 17 minutes in this game seven and to maybe have an issue um with the team where they're not even going to get you in the game. That is, it's a pretty bad sign for his restricted free agency. And like, I, I worry it's going to cost him, you know, like, like the amount of money he was hoping to make. Uh, maybe we'll get answers, you know, in, in the coming days over what exactly went down. But yeah, uh, part of the huge disappointment for the Suns. I mean, obviously you're, you're crushed that you lose on a season that you basically own the season all year. But one of the disappointments is, is specifically uh, DeAndre Ayton and his play uh, late in this series. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yep, well, by winning this Game 7, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks move on to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, Luka, uh, well, we saw you and Dirk on the court after the game. He's been where you guys are going now. What uh, kind of sentiments did he share with you? Oh, it was just happy, man. Uh, I think it gave us everybody in this team a lot of confidence. When you see Dirk sitting, sitting... Uh, courtside uh, and and away game. So uh, I think everybody really appreciate him because uh, you know Dirk is Dirk. He's been through everything. He's been a champion, so he knows it. So I think every player and every coach is appreciate that he's there. And you've been telling us for four years it's all about winning for you. And uh, you know now you guys have gotten to the conference finals. What does this mean to you personally and for the franchise? Honestly, I'm really happy, man. It's 
you can't get this smile off my face right now. I'm just really happy, you know. Uh, honestly, I think we deserve this. Uh, we've been playing hard the whole series, maybe a couple games here. We weren't ourselves, but, you know, we came here with a statement, uh, game seven. Uh, we believed, uh, our locker room believed, everybody believed, so I'm just happy. And Keith, their opponent was set Friday night, and I know you don't really want to talk about this, but we got to talk about it anyway. The, the Warriors sent the Grizzlies home 110-96 to to close out their series, four games to two. And Keith, look, um, the, the story of this game, aside from your sadness, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson was just insane in this game. He looked like the game six clay that we've come to know and love. He just showed up and, and in a way that we hadn't seen from him so far in the playoffs. Yeah, it was a big game from clay. Honestly, when you, when you gave me that lead in, I didn't know where you were going with it. You landed on clay Thompson, but if you ask me what the story of the game was, I clay Thompson does make the better story. You're right. That's what the people want. That's the narrative. The storyline for me is Kavon Looney just got another rebound. Like he just picked up another <laughs> offensive rebound. This, the Warriors got the most rebounds in a playoff game since 1983. They got 70 rebounds. I believe it was 25 offensive rebounds. Andrew Wiggins was grabbing every rebound. But uh, Kavon Looney, who hadn't played much earlier in the series, he gets to start and he delivers 21 rebounds, 11 offensive rebounds. The Grizzlies, who were the best offensive rebounding team in the regular season, get smoked on the glass. They couldn't get anything. And yeah, Clay goes for 30. He uh he hit seven three-pointers in the game for a, the 10th time in his playoff career. That's awesome. Maybe that's more fun to talk about that offensive rebounding. But the Warriors got so many opportunities and beat the Grizzlies in this game because of their dominance on the glass. I'll ask you the obvious question, Clay, but I guess uh, I think Loon said they just expected game six Clay. They knew that was coming. Did, do you uh, is it easy for you? Do you just say, okay, uh, now this is the time? Uh, it's something that just comes naturally. I don't, you know, go to sleep last night thinking of scoring 30 or shooting the ball well. I just was thinking about how far I've come and how grateful I am to have another closeout game at Chase. And luckily it was one of my nights and, you know, carry this momentum into the WCF. Last time you can remember getting 20 rebounds in a game? Uh, I mean, since college. <laughs> Uh, I got close a couple of times this year, but it's been a long time since I got 20. So, uh, great achievement for me, uh, especially as I take pride in being a rebounder. So, getting 20 was a good milestone for me. Did you know you had 11 already in the first quarter? when you? I didn't know until I think, like, Wiggs brought it up. Like, you got 11 rebounds already. I'm like, I ain't even paying attention. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, go after every 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 board, especially when we get in the game. I wanted to set the tone uh, that was going to be physical. So, uh, that was my, my goal to start the game, so I got off to a good start. Yeah, the Warriors took 104 shots in this game. And and look, you mentioned it. All year long, Memphis, they won a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have because they were getting extra possessions, all those offensive rebounds, and they just they just had nothing there. Uh, I think that they actually missed John ja Morant. Yeah, you know, I think you can say that. One adjustment that the Warriors made uh, that Mike Brown made. I mean, you give Mike Brown credit. Like we all got our jokes off after that game five, when, when the Grizzlies ran him out of the gym, they made a couple of adjustments. There's one, you know, put looning the starting lineup Two, they put Andrew Wiggins, who's their best perimeter defender. They put Andrew Wiggins on Tyus Jones. They put him on Tyus Jones. 
I guess they thought, hey, you know what? This guy shredded us last game. You, you think maybe Desmond Bain is a better scorer. Dylan Brooks is a better scorer. If we stop Tyus Jones, maybe those other guys can't create shots for him. And maybe there were other factors. Maybe it was just an off night for Tyus Jones, but he missed a bunch of his shots. And I think that took the Grizzlies out of their offense by having Wiggins on him. So, I mean, you, you give credit to the Warriors. They did make some adjustments. And yes, you know, you hit 23s and you grab 25 offensive rebounds, basically going to be unbeatable. But like the Warriors made changes and those changes paid off. Yeah. And uh, I think something else that threw off the, the Grizzlies offense is Dylan Brooks had 30 points in this game. He was seven of f- 15 from three, uh, 11 of 28 overall. And there were look, man, there were a lot of those. No, 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 no. Oh, how did that go in with Dylan Brooks? But I actually think that that hurt their offense. It wasn't good. Like a lot of these shots were bad shots. They just happened to go in. It could have been like going back to your thing that I think because they could put Wiggins on Tyus Jones, then that showed the limitations where like, Hey, guess what? This is where you need a John Morant. This is where you need a guy who can reliably create his own shot. I mean, even particularly the last game at golden state in game four, where they faltered down the stretch that you, you highlight that, Hey, they were in the game. They're leading the whole game with Tyus Jones, but it's in those final minutes, those the crucible of the playoffs that you need your superstar guy who can either get to the line or get to the bucket. And like Dylan had that huge game, but the final six minutes were, were a nightmare where he couldn't get good looks. Uh, he turned the ball over. You need your all-star point guard at that point. And then you saw, Oh, Clay just knocked on another one. Steph Curry, who had kind of an off game. He came through with the dagger to put him up double digits. And then you see the warriors advancing to yet another conference finals. Yeah, and, and I I did think that the benching of Jordan Poole to a certain degree helped him out quite a bit. Uh, Memphis's defense was causing him to just throw the ball all over the gym, and he wasn't really giving him a lot on the defensive end. I mean, he was a huge target for them. Absolutely, and and just putting Looney in there was all the difference. I actually think Looney might might wind up getting the start in the conference finals against Dallas, but you know we got a couple of days to sort of figure that out. And I, I do want to mention Desmond Bain because he was. I, I think the best player maybe in the entire playoffs for the Grizzlies, he had 25 points in this game. And, and this guy has turned into, I'm not going to call him a one B, but he's certainly a, a strong candidate for a number two guy to John Morant. And when you consider the way he plays and the way he moves off the ball coming off of screens and, I mean, he's he's like a top five shooter in the league right now. Right. I mean, he's a guy who finished second in the NBA in the regular season in three-point percentage and did not slow down in the least. He made 43 three-pointers. That's the most three-pointers any players made in the postseason. Uh, and he also shot 49%. Uh, on on those threes. He's just been draining everything. Yeah, he's made 43 three-pointers in the postseason. That's the most threes any player has made. And he, and he, and he hit 49% of them. So, I mean, like, the guy's totally on fire. He averaged 19 points per game in the postseason. And that includes early in this series where he could barely lift his arms over his head with back troubles and was barely getting any shots up. So, yeah, I think fully healthy... Bain showed a lot and he showed that, yes, maybe he can be a one B like the Grizzlies have a lot of questions going forward. They have a lot of optimism because they have a lot of options on things to do. But one thing, you know, beside John Morant, you're going to have Bain who probably is going to be averaging 20 points per game in the future and might be flirting every season with those 50, 40, 90 splits close to what he put up this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another game seven on Sunday, Keith. And sad to say, the Milwaukee Bucks will not be back-to-back champions. They lose game six on Friday and game seven on Sunday. Game seven on Sunday, they lose 109 to 81. And and Keith, look, this is a tough game, I think, for us to talk about because the Celtics really just bum-rushed the Bucs. And and it was not dissimilar from, I I thought, some of the successes that they had in game six. Jason Tatum had 46 in game six, was dealing. He followed it up. He only needed 23 to get it done in this one because Grant Williams turned into Michael Jordan against the Portland Trailblazers. Seven of 18 from three. Number one, Keith, 18 three-pointers. I think it's time for the Bucs to go back to the drawing board with this offense, man. Like, or, or excuse me, with this defense. Because one guy got up 18 threes. I love it. 55 threes for the Celtics overall. Grant Williams, 27 points. He was just insane, man. Uh, the 18 three-point attempts, the dream of Antoine Walker is alive in Grant Williams. I mean, he wished he had that kind of green light. Yeah, Grant Williams with the career-high 27 points knocks down seven of those three-pointers. He was a big hero. I mean, he's known as the glue guy. He is a defensive stalwart, but to be left open, essentially, or he, it wasn't like they were daring him to shoot, but, you know, if you have to guard Tatum, you have to guard Jalen Brown. Like, there were options there. He was he he had the looks, and he took them. And he was encouraged to keep firing. That's why he puts up, I believe that's tied for the most three-point attempts in Celtics playoff history. So, like, he knocks them all down. And then the flip side is, we know the Celtics are great at defense. We know they were hanging all over Giannis Antetokounmpo. But some of those guys on, on the Bucks have to make three-pointers. And they were four for 33. If Grant Williams is seven for 18 and your team is four for 33 from three, that is a hard ask. I mean, honestly, good job for the defending champs hanging around as long as they did not been able to to knock any shots down. I mean, Giannis, like Herculean efforts this whole series. The numbers aren't super pretty, but. I don't know what you're supposed to do going up against this defense when you're flanked by Wesley Matthews not making any shots, Grayson Allen not making any shots, Pat Connaughton not making any shots. Like, what are what are what are Giannis's options? I think it's really sad. Like, the Celtics have looked awesome since I can't remember when. Is it January or December where they virtually look like the, one of the best teams, or if, if not the best team in the NBA? But this series between the defending champs and them. The Bucs not having Chris Middleton, just such a huge, massive thing. Like this series going to seven games without having Middleton, I think, you know, makes Bucks fans certainly feel like they could have prevailed uh, if they were a little healthier. Well, you you never think about the Bucs as being small, but they are actually small on the perimeter and especially without Chris Middleton. And, and for Boston... Boston's long, long and strong, and they just destroyed them on the outside. And Keith, you you know, you said it. The Bucks just didn't have the talent. When you're trying to decide between starting Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, uh, or, you don't really have when a the, lot when there. the fan base is screaming for Javon Carter, something went wrong. Like Javon's a fine player, but if you're trying to win an NBA title, you're trying to beat the Celtics, and you're like, I think we should start Javon Carter this game. Listen. You don't have the depth that maybe you wish you had. That's all I'm saying. 
Now, a lot of people, Keith, are looking at this series uh, now that it's over, and, and they're saying this was the NBA Finals. Now, we know that the NBA Finals are in a few weeks. Keith, was this the NBA Finals, though, for real? I think if I were a betting man, I would be broke because the Bucks and Suns are both out. But with the teams that are left, I do feel like um, I would probably back the Celtics. But it's interesting I officially am going to say I have no idea what's going to happen in this playoffs with the Bucks going out. We're going to have our fifth different champion in the last five years. That's never happened in my lifetime. So I'm excited about that. Uh, the, the just the, maybe it's the parody of the league. There's just a lot of really good teams, a lot of really good stories. And now like it feels like we never talk about the heat, the heat or, or the team with the best record that's remaining. Like, and so like, you know, why not the Heat? Why not any of these teams that are left? Why not the Doncic that I saw perform on Sunday who looked like the best player in the NBA? Why not the Warriors who are ready for one last go-round? Maybe like Steph and Clay and Draymond, you know, can throw it back to the Wayback Machine and, and get a little pep in their step. Like, you know, all of these teams remaining, I think, definitely have as good a chance, you know, to win. It's almost, it feels equal. And I think it's an interesting year where, like, the teams that just got eliminated... Like the Suns are going to be like, we could have won the title. Like the Grizzlies are like, man, if John Morant wasn't hurt, we we, we could have maybe won the title. And like the Bucks, it's all like, there's so many teams this year who I think are going to walk away and be like, that, that could have been our year. But as we know, it's only going to be one team's year. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, man. If they had maybe only gotten two shots. Who? During the regular season, they, they maybe could have been here too. That's going to do it for today's show, folks. Hope you guys have a great start to your week. Keith. Let's get out of here. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.